You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Well, hey, let's, uh, let's get rolling with the message this morning. Um, last week, Aaron talked about this new command that Jesus gave us, right? And he was fired up. Like, it was a good message. If you missed last week, you missed like, it was legit. It's one of those I need to put on my, like, once-a-month Rolodex that I need to listen to once a month because I love it when it's, when it's just one of those that just really hits home and he was fired up. And he was talking about how Jesus gave us this new command that in John, Jesus said that a new command I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my Weak sauce. <laughs> By this, you will know, all the people will know that you are my disciples. Come on. Right? That we are Jesus' disciples. They'll know this by our love for one another. Like, that's it. That's what it's all about. And he, he helped us remember that apart from our connection to God, we have no power, no ability to actually ever love anybody the way Jesus loved them, right? And he used the example that Jesus gave in scripture. Jesus gave this, this example of a vine at, and a branch that grew grapes because it was something that was relevant to the guys he was teaching. They walked by vines and, and grape vines all the time. And he was like, hey, here's something you guys are familiar with. There's a vine and a branch. And in order for that branch to have these big, beautiful grapes grow on it, it has to be connected to the vine. Likewise, for you as Christians... For you to be able to have fruit, you have to stay connected to the Father. Like we have to be tight with God, in relationship, walking with him consistently, regularly, in our word, talking with him, having a a friendship type relationship where we actually hang out with each other, with God the Father. And as we have that, we can bear much fruit. And our fruit is, what do you guys think it is? that we love one another, right? What is our fruit? Our fruit is that we love one another. When we are tight with Jesus, we are able to love other people the way Jesus loved us. Apart from that, we can do nothing. Now, if this is the only thing you've ever heard about God, like if this was the, the sum total of your knowledge of God, this little chunk of information, on the one hand, it could be really encouraging depending on where you're at, right? On the one hand, it could be really encouraging because you could be like, I feel like I'm tight with God. Like, I, I know I am. I've been walking with him. I'm in the word. I'm, I'm tight with the Lord. So like, this is really encouraging because I know as I walk with God and I'm good with God that my life can bear much fruit. Like, I, I feel like I am on track to be growing fruit. In fact, I even see some in my life. And it might be just really affirming as you hear that. On the other hand, if this is the only thing you know about God, it could be really discouraging. You could hear this and be in a different spot. You could be in a spot where you don't feel like you're really tight with God. You're not in the vine, so to speak. You're kind of off here on your own, disconnected. Maybe you've never been in the vine. Maybe you never really have known what it was like to be tight with Jesus. Maybe there's times where you felt like you were, but now you're like, whew, 
I definitely know I'm not now. And if this is all you know, that it could be a little discouraging because it could be like, all I'm hearing is that if I'm not tight with God, like in the vine, like I can't really do anything. I got good news. What you're going to learn about today is one of the most powerful, awesome, and amazing things that we can ever learn about God the Father. We're going to learn about a whole other facet of God's love for us that's often overlooked and forgotten. And we're either going to learn about it or for many of us going to be reminded about it, about how God loves, how God deals with, interacts with people that screw up, people that get off the path, people that are not in the vine, they're not tight with God, people that are even really wrong, like people that flat deny Jesus to his face. How does God deal with those kind of people? The good news is it was probably only the people in first service that this is going to apply to, right? None of you ever get off, right? Everybody's tight, big grapes everywhere in your life. Must be just me. So the cool thing is, I hope this applies to a lot of us and that we're reminded today about how God deals with us when we get off track. So we're going to get in the text this morning. It's going to be in uh, John. Let's take a look at that up there on the screen, and it's going to be in your notes. We're going to be taking a look at something we've already looked at, uh, the... the um, arrest, betrayal of Jesus, but we're not going to look at Judas today. We're going to look at a new character, okay? We're going to be looking at somebody new and kind of tracking a new line of thinking as we go through this. So it says this in John 18, it says, when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, uh, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they were carrying torches and lanterns and weapons. And Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, he went out to him and he says, you know, who is it that you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, that's me. And and Judas, the traitor, was standing there with him. And then Jesus, when he had said, you know, this is me, they all kind of drew back and fell to the ground. And, and again, he says, who is it that you want? And they're saying, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I, I told you, that's me. If it's me that you're after, if it's me that you want, let the rest of these guys go. He said, this happened so that the words that he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear, and the servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink from the cup the Father has given me? Now, real quick, before we get any further past this, we've got to correct, do a little course correction. Like sword, the word sword is not a great translation for what was really going on there. We get this picture of Peter like pulling out this like three foot Viking sword or something. And he's just sort of like swinging that like a blind guy at a pinata, just, you know, and, all, and he like accidentally takes off some guy's ear, right? That is not what happened. A better translation is like a dagger. He had this short, 
little dagger, like think hunting knife size. He had this short little dagger. It was a purposeful, intentional weapon for close quarters, close combat. And he didn't just accidentally, randomly pick one of them. He purposely went after Malchus, who is the high priest's servant. And he was trying to scar him and make a point that he couldn't serve in the temple anymore. Now, if we stop and think about the context for a minute, like we've seen Jesus for a week now going after the Pharisees, going into the temple courts and pointing out all of the ways they're blowing it, that they're not representing God well to the nations around them, calling them out for their terrible religious practices, turning over the tables of the money changers, like calling out the, the elders and the chief priests, making a scene about how bad they're blowing it. And so when when they're in the garden praying and Peter's there and he sees some of them coming with soldiers and, and weapons and stuff, he's probably like, come on, about time. I know, he kind of feels like Jesus has been working up to this, like we're about to that spot where Jesus is gonna throw down. You're about to see a sight of Jesus you don't wanna see. Don't make him mad. He's like, with the knife ready, right? Like, like, come on. So you can kind of understand, like you can kind of appreciate where he was coming from. The problem is Jesus doesn't respond the way that Peter thought he would. Instead, right in front of everybody, even in front of their enemies, Jesus rebukes Peter. He gives him one of those like big old loud, dad is mad, don't do another thing kind of like, enough! Put your sword away. He's making this point to Peter and everybody watching that, that his way is not the same as Peter's way. And to ice the cake, to really make the point, he heals Malchus's ear. Just to go like, yeah, his plan and my plan, they're not the same. In fact, I'm good, you're good, your ear's fixed. Jesus is saying to everybody there that the kingdom is not going to come by force. The kingdom is going to come by a laying down of our lives. And he's going to be the first to set the example. Now, here's the sticky part. Like, it's easy for us to look at the text and to kind of look back at the circumstances and go, oh, okay, I can kind of see how that plays out. But now let's fast forward and bring it to reality for us. Like, how often do we do the same type of stuff? Let me help paint a picture for you. We have people that we want in the kingdom, like that we care about, that we want to know Christ, that we want to be in the kingdom. We want the kingdom to come into their life, right? And sometimes those people have been difficult and hard and caused problems, and we pray for them, and we want them in the kingdom, but we'd like to get them in the kingdom after they've hit absolute rock bottom, right? Like, we want them to feel a little of the consequences of the sin. We have an agenda, like how we want them to get in. Sometimes it's not so ugly. That's a little bit of an ugly one. Sometimes it's not so ugly. Sometimes it's just us with our happy church face on and we have people that we love and we want in the kingdom and we care about them and we invite them to Bible studies and then we invite them to another thing and they don't come to that and they don't return our phone calls and we finally get them in a Bible study with us and then they only do like part of the chapter and miss sometimes. And we're just like, Ugh. they don't get it, right? Like we have this agenda 
And Jesus is saying, when, when we're trying to push our way of inviting people into the kingdom, it doesn't work that way. He's like, the kingdom is going to come as we lay down our lives for those people that we love and care about. Like, that's it. Like, really, practically, a laying down of our lives. Jesus is going to go on eventually here to the cross, but we're going to kind of camp out with Peter. In this altercation here at the garden, it, they, they take Jesus away, and as they take him away, the disciples disperse, right? They bail, except Peter and one other disciple. They follow way back at a safe distance, and so the, the mob is sort of taking Jesus towards the high priest's house, and eventually they take him to the high priest's house, and and Peter and this other disciple follow him, and the other disciple, it says, is known to the people at the high priest's house, so he's allowed to go into the courtyard, kind of like the inner fence is, as a part of the house. He's allowed to go into the courtyard, and then he kind of turns around and is like, wait a minute, where'd Peter go? Peter's still outside. They didn't know him. They didn't want to let him in. This guy goes back out to get Peter, and as they're getting together, they interact with this young servant girl. She looks at Peter, and she's like, wait a minute. I think I know you. Weren't you one of his disciples? And he's like, no, you know, one of these. Like, you talking to me? No. Oh, no, that must have been that other guy. He goes in with him. It says it's a cold night. There's a fire in the courtyard. And in this courtyard, they're standing in a spot where they can see into the rooms in the house around them. And they can see through these windows where Jesus was being persecuted and, and put on this little fake trial in this house. And they're antagonizing him and, and trying to... Uh, get him to talk and they can't hear everything going on but they're within earshot and they can certainly see what's happening and they're standing around this fire you can kind of imagine Peter like with people in the room like Peter sort of doing the kind of like trying to look like he's not interested but really it's the most important thing he's ever seen in his life and he's trying to figure out what happened but he doesn't want anybody to know that he cares that much like He's trying to be incognito. And someone at the fire actually comes up to him and goes, wait a minute, weren't you one of his disciples? And he kind of snaps back too. No, no, that wasn't me. And then a few minutes later, another guy in the courtyard walks up who is a relative of Malchus, the guy that he hacked off his ear. And this guy comes up and he says, wait a minute, didn't I recognize you? Weren't you in the garden? Weren't you one of his followers? And just as Peter is denying him, like, no, 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 that wasn't me. The rooster crows. Let's take a look at how it says this. In Luke, he says, Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Like to have that eye contact, that face-to-face -face moment where he realizes just right there in the moment that what Jesus had said he had actually done. And he is just like convicted to the point where it's like that spot where you just can't hardly swallow because you're fighting back the tears. And he's just like looking for an exit, right? And he goes out. Jesus goes on through this trial and he goes on to be 
beaten and tortured and crucified, dies on the cross, is buried and is resurrected from the dead. And this next weekend, we are gonna camp out and talk about resurrection and we are gonna talk about it in a really powerful and meaningful way and come at it from some different angles that maybe somebody isn't like the typical way of looking at the resurrection. And Marty and Aaron and I, all three of us, are gonna be preaching together next weekend. So you can imagine, right? Like, we're all three guys love Jesus and different. And we hope through that that you're gonna understand and learn more about this picture of resurrection than maybe you have before, but also anybody that's never been to church or is new to the whole thing, that between the different people and the different messages, like it's gonna really resonate. But this morning, we're gonna keep riding it out with Peter. So, Jesus is resurrected, right? He goes and he finds his guys back in a room and they're afraid and they're ashamed and they're worried and in comes Jesus. And they're like, whoo, hallelujah. Like, they're excited, right? They're like, man, yes. Now what? And it comes on to the point where even Thomas shows up and he's really like, are you sure this is really him? And he shows him the holes in his hands and, and just verifies that he is who he is and takes away any doubt that he, that he really is the resurrected Jesus. And then a little while later at another time, Jesus goes to find his guys fishing and he walks down to the beach and his guys have been out fishing all night, not doing very well. And he calls out to him and he says, Hey, did you catch anything? No, we didn't catch anything. We're getting skunked. He goes, try tossing your net on the other side over there. They toss their net over. They go to pull it in. There's so many fish in the net that they literally cannot get it into the boat. And so they just drag the boat and the net, everything, just like a big mop up to shore, fish all over the place. And here's Jesus standing on the shore looking at his guys, and he's like, hey, why don't you grab some of those fish and come sit down? I want to have some breakfast with you. Now, I want you to realize something that's about to happen right here on this little beach. Jesus, for the first time, is about to sit down face-to-face with Peter. He's about to sit down and have breakfast and have a man-to-man, Jesus-to-Peter talk. After all that's happened, after all that Peter's done, let's see how that talk went. It's in John 21. Starts off like this. He said, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, okay, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Right? Here's this first time that Jesus gets to sit down with Peter after he totally blew it. And Jesus sits down with him and it was like, boy, I've been putting this talk off for a while because it was going to be really uncomfortable. I was really, you know... I wasn't looking forward to this time when I was going to have to let you know all the ways you screwed up in the last week. Whew, cutting that guy's ear off, that was a mess. Real disappointment to me there. 
Yeah, and the whole denying me thing. Yeah, way to go. Like, man, you had my back when I wasn't looking. Like, thanks for that, right? Like, Jesus, does he do any of that? No. He sits down with Peter face to face, and he literally eats with him and hangs out, and he's like, I know you're back with me because you're here. But like, are we okay? Do you love me? Peter's like, well, yeah, of course I love you. The translators do a really cool thing with this as they're using the Greek words for love because there's different words to mean different types of love. Um, and one of the words a lot of people are familiar with is agape. And it's like a head love, like a, a choosing to love no matter what. It's not, de not dependent on feelings. And then another word in the Greek for love is called phileo. And that's a word that means like a, a deep committed friendship or like a brotherly love, like best girlfriends, best boyfriends, like that kind of committed kind of love. And the way this actually reads with the correct words in it, it goes like this. Jesus goes, hey, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter's like, yeah, I agape you. I'm in no matter what. Like, I love you. Like, I'm in. And Jesus is like, cool. Do you agape me? Peter's like, yes, I agape you. Like, I'm in. And then Jesus just brings it all the way down to the basic of basic. He's like, hey, Peter, are we even friends? And Peter's like, Lord, you know everything. Of course we're friends. Of course we're friends. It's Jesus' way of helping Peter understand that like, he's not a, a God who's going to hold his past against him. He's not a God who holds grudges. Ultimately, when it boils down to it, when they have that face-to-face -face meeting, all that really matters is, like, it's not so much about your past, what you've done or where you've been or how bad you screwed up. It's about when you sit down face-to-face -face and talk to God, are you and him good? Are you good with God? Could you actually sit down, have breakfast with Jesus, and look them in the eye and say, you know, I love you and I'm good with you. And honestly, personally, because God doesn't, not pick up your past, not pick up your, here's the problem with all of us, what we all do. We all do this, but, but you don't know how bad I messed up. You don't know how much stuff I've screwed up. You don't know how far away I've drifted. You don't know how long it's been since I've even sat down and had breakfast with Jesus. Like it's been, I can't even remember. He won't even know me. Right? Or I've never even done it to begin with. I don't, I don't even know what it means to be a Christian. Like, how, where would I even start? Like, surely you don't, like, that's not your first meal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Jesus is inviting us, no matter where you're at, to, like, put your garbage down. Come to him. Repenting is just, is just laying aside your junk, your sin, and the stuff that's gotten you off track, it's just laying it aside and getting back on walking side by side with Jesus. Like, that's it. It's not this big, complicated thing. And when we go to God and have a conversation about it, it should look a lot like that conversation that Jesus had with Peter. Like, hey, are we okay? Me and you okay? Yeah, we're okay. No, really, are, we, are you sure we're okay? Yes, yes, I'm sure. Like, we're friends and stuff, right? Like, you like me even on, when you sort of are having a bad day? Yes, I like you even when I'm having a bad day. I know sometimes I don't look like it, but I do, right? 
and that we could walk away from that breakfast knowing that me and Jesus, we're good. That's it. That's what it looks like to be tight, to be abiding in the vine, to be remaining, to be tight with God the Father, is to be able to just have that conversation. So this morning when we take communion, I'm going to give you an opportunity to have that conversation. I'm going to give you some time, some quiet time, to talk with God, to lay down any sin that you have, to, to seek forgiveness for anything that you need forgiveness for, to, to just have a little breakfast meeting with, with Jesus here in a minute. And I'm not going to give you 20 minutes, because if I give you a bunch of time, or 10 minutes, or 5 minutes, you'll spend a whole bunch of time trying to tell God about all this stuff. And you're going to have this God sitting in front of you going, mm-hmm, 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 you had me at sorry. Are we okay now? Right? You don't need to prove to God that you messed up. It's like, take a deep breath. It's okay. God wants to sit down with you and have breakfast and just be cool. Right? So they're going to pass these buckets. And as they do the buckets, just pass them to the outside. Um, Drop your connection cards in them. And uh, they'll collect them on the outside of the thing. And then they're also going to pass out communion in just a second. Thank you. Go ahead and pass those buckets, Adrian, please. Just right down the middle. We'll get those out of the way. And then uh, at, at Real Life, if you're new with us, when we take communion, we have what we call an open table. And that just means that uh, anybody that wants to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us is welcome to take communion. It's not like some special thing. You have to be a church member. Uh, the special thing is you have to love Jesus and appreciate his sacrifice on the cross. And then you're, you're part of the family. So when you take those, if you'll just hold on to the elements, and then we're going to take communion together in a few minutes, all right? While those are getting passed out, we're going to take a look at some things that we hope kind of stick with you, some stuff that we hope you maybe can uh, chew on this week. So let's take a look at that first one. Jesus will never support dominance, coercion, or manipulation in the name of the kingdom, Right? Our way is not God's way. Like us trying to manipulate people into the kingdom, us trying to like wish them through some miry pit of circumstances so that they hit rock bottom. Like, like our way is not God's way. Let's look at the next one. There will never be a time when God misses or doesn't see our mistakes. It's not a big secret. We can't hide from God. Right? You're not getting away with one. Sometimes that's hard to hear. What I'm about to tell you next might be the best thing you hear today. It might be the best thing you hear this week. And for some people, it might be the best thing you've ever heard in your life. Like it's this, this thing you're going to hear is that good of news. Check this out. It says there will never be a mistake that God won't forgive. The question is whether or not we can forgive ourselves. Like chew on that. Like think about your life. Like there's nothing you've done ever or ever can do that is a, a, a sin 
a mistake, a screw up, a blow it, a drop the ball, a total mess up, a complete failure, a total horrible thing, like nothing is beyond God's forgiveness. There's nothing that he can't forgive. There's nothing that he won't forgive if we'll just come and sit down on the beach and talk to him. So I want to give you a second to kind of sit on the beach and talk to Jesus this morning. I'm going to zip it and just give you a second to just, just talk with the Lord. My prayer is that everything you just talked to the Lord about is that, is that you'll just own that you're forgiven and let it go. God's not looking to sit there and talk with you for days on end about all the ways you messed up. God is excited to sit down and have breakfast with you and just make sure you're good. Like, can you look him in the eye and just like, are we good? Do you love me? Do you love him? If you can look him in the eye and say, man, God, I love you. Even on my bad days when I'm being a turd, I love you. Then have confidence that you're good with Jesus. It's not that complicated. We make it way too hard and we let all this doubt and junk creep in when God's just sitting there going I'm just I'm ready for just you to zip it and be good with me like are we okay are we friends we get the opportunity to have that forgiveness to have that conversation with Jesus because of what he did on the cross because of what was accomplished through the resurrection we have the opportunity to have these conversations and to have this forgiveness of our sins that's why each and every week we take the opportunity to remember his crucifixion and remember what he did for us on the cross through communion. We remember that on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he told us to eat this as often as we get together in remembrance of him. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup that represents the new covenant that was brought by his blood shed for us. And as often as we get together, let's drink it in remembrance of him. God, we love you. You are such a good God. We're just so grateful, Lord, that you are just such a good dad to us. You don't hold our past against us, Lord. Thank you for that. We just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter, and visit our website, liferotp.com.